the Goat of Popularity Podcast. What's up, coppers? Welcome back to the Cult of Popularity, another cult that's going to be talking about Satan. Woo! Woo! Satan rocks! And, just get this out very early, we're actually recording in the same room again. Back together again. Back together again, my friend. Back in the saddle again. We are social distancing. We are roughly 1.5 metres apart. So, you know, it's cool. It's cool. So, what have we got on the agenda for today, Josh? We've got Nukes Dukem. Nukes Dukem. That's it. Lufusa. And, what is the final one? Mud Gorning Vietnam. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. No, we're not both having a stroke at the same time. Fucking collective strokes. Collective strokes. Cool. Although, the typewriter scenes in Good Morning Vietnam nearly made me have a fucking stroke. You reckon? But we'll get to that later. We will. We're going to kick things off with Duke Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem. Why did you have to go and break my heart? You didn't it. Did like it's fantastic. Like start off as like a two D platformer, which to be fair, you can be forgiven about fucking forgetting because you know, really it wasn't it wasn't that amazing. It was still good. No, but you can tell it was made by the same people that made Commander Keen as oh, well. Definitely. I don't think I actually remember ever playing it, but we just watched a video earlier of it, yeah. and the sound effects, everything, like just the look of it, apart from having like a different character in a. It was it was reskinned Junior um, Commander Keen. Pretty much, yeah. But then you've got the classic Duke Nukem 3D, which is really, it's an absolute marvel, isn't it? Oh, mate, it is. It's one of the few games I actually remember from my childhood thinking, how the fuck am I allowed to play this? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. All kinds of shit you can do in it. It's crazy. It's it's crass. It's brazen. It's everything that Duke Nukem is. Babes. Babes. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. It's fucking... Yeah, classic. Now, it's Duke Nukem 3D well. was actually released on all the platforms. Every single one of them. All, all of, of them. them. Go through it. So, we've got MS-DOS via Game.com, Mac OS, Sega Saturn, PlayStation 1. It was ported as Duke Nukem Total Meltdown for the Nintendo 64. Sega Mega Drive in Brazil only, randomly. Xbox Live Arcade, iOS, Android, mobile versions, uh, Steam, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, ported as Duke Nukem, 20, Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary World Tour. I actually wouldn't mind getting that and playing it if I can find it on there. Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, a lot of those versions were released, I guess, on the same system, but just re-released through different mains. Yeah. Like MS DOS was the PC version, it's been. I'm pretty sure you can get the 20th anniversary as well through Steam nowadays as well. Mm. I did look into it actually. Um, however, there is a. I'm not too sure. I was reading through. There's a version out there called Eduke, uh, which um, basically is a version they've put out there which you don't have to pay for. I'm pretty sure it's highly fucking illegal to have a copy of that. Uh, but, like, I was reading through reviews for it, because I was like, oh, I was considering getting it. And so, people were like, oh, just keep on, just get Ejuke. Just get Ejuke. And I was like, what the fuck is Ejuke? Um, but, yeah, 
Apparently it wasn't too bad. Apparently, like, they kind of didn't really do much. They like, the sprite's not as, like, 2D and weird and stuff for the, tw- like, for the 20th anniversary version. Yeah. But, like, yes, yeah, I mean, it's such a staple of a game. It's not surprised that it's been done so... Or redone and modernised, if you will. And covers and so many plays. It's a game that people want to go back to. Like, it's fun. It's just fast-paced action, shooting lots of shit, and great one-liners. And pixelated strippers. And <laughs> pixelated strippers, that's right. Babes. Gotta have the pixelated strippers. Probably one of the more iconic voices as well in gaming history. Uh, yeah. Voiced by John St. John, who's done the voice like for as long as Duke Nukem's been around. Yeah. And had a voice. What a name too. John St. John. He <laughs> is. It's great. Parents didn't like him very much, obviously. <clears throat> Did you forget to set the timer? Yeah, I forgot to set the timer. Shh, don't tell anyone though. No. He had one job. He actually <laughs> had multiple jobs, but he had one job. Yeah. Duke... I remember playing Duke Nukem with my brother and being like, man, this is crazy. And like, it was, it was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I had so many fond memories of it. And then Duke Nukem Forever came out and I was so excited. And then I bought so it. So excited. And yeah. I remember going garbage. out and buying that for the PS4. It was, um, I mean, I remember the first time I was like, what do you mean? I can only hold two weapons. Duke Nukem does not only have two weapons. No. Not counting the one in his trousers. Whoa. Whoa. Um, yeah, just playing it and just like the combat was so bad. It was so sluggish and shit. It just wasn't great. Like, I honestly would have rather them do a really good remaster of Duke Nukem 3D. Oh, fuck yeah. Than try to do something like, different and make it that bad. Yeah, because they really, really fucking did. They really jumped the shark on that one. Like, I was looking into it, and the thing was, like, it was in the pipeline, under development, and going through everything for, like, nearly 10 years. Yeah. I think, um, like, company that was um, originally onto it kind of got absorbed or shut down, but they kept that project alive, which changed things, and, yeah, the finished product was fucking horrible. Yeah. And, you know, it may have suffered massively from being, you know, in development hell, or development purgatory for so long, mm. um, not having a you know a clear vision for it. But if that's the case, then they should just not have made it. Like they that's should have just scrapped it, done a remaster. Everyone would have been happy. It's true. It's one of those things though that you you'd never win that though. If they had scrapped it, everyone would have been pissed. Been like, oh, we never got it. Fucking bullshit. They're fucking telling us for so long we're gonna get it and we never got it. Yeah. And instead, they made it for so long they made it and it was shit. But, but even telling people that it had been shit, people were like, oh, but we still want to see it. We wanted to know it was shit for ourselves. Yeah. And then they get it and be like, why'd you fucking release it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can never win, especially in the gaming community. Like, that's pretty cutthroat. Yeah. They're, people don't fuck around. They're not even just fuck spiders. Uh, there's been a couple of other games in the pipeline for as well, which never actually made it to fruition. There was going to be a, like, prequel game mm-hmm. that was in the pipeline for Duke Begins, um, going, which was going to be published under 2K Interactive. Yep. And that was, was in there for a couple of years. And apparently the game um, surfaced or acknowledged after it was revealed during lawsuits between 3D Realms, the original creators of Duke Nukem, and take to interactive. I mean, and, and no real explanation as to exactly what was cancelled. So I can only assume something has gone on there behind closed doors 
that they couldn't come to an agreement or something like that. But apparently it was going to show us how Duke Nukem became the person that he ends up being in one of the first games, just this badass motherfucker that goes around fucking kicking ass because he's all out of gum. Do you know who kind of reminds me of Duke Nukem a little bit? Me. No, not you. You remind me of David Bowie. <laughs> no, the... Uh, what's his name? Gat from oh, uh, um, Saints, Saints Row. Row. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Like, just the way he talks, his mannerisms, the the hair even a little bit. Ooh, the hair even a little bit. Yeah. Does he go around just front-kicking cuts? Probably. <laughs> I don't know if he does any spare time, but... Why not? Why not? Uh, some of the other games that were in the pipeline as well, though, there was Duke Nukem Endangered Species, which... Please, Duke Nukem's not an endangered species. No, it was about hunting where you could hunt everything from dinosaurs to snakes. So it was a blatant Turok ripoff oh, by the, the sound like, exactly, of it. That's exactly where I just went with it. I was like, so Turok? Yeah, so that's, that's Turok. That's exactly what it is. There's another game for the PS2 named Duke Nukem D-Day, also known as Duke Nukem Man of Valor. That was scrapped as well so many different games that they could have come to fruition and they didn't do it so there was a remake in development which was duke nukem 3d uh reloaded by and it was being developed by interceptor entertainment but gearbox software would only give them a private license not an a commercial license so they couldn't make it the way they wanted to and things like that so that they were banned in the project yeah, you're right well there you go that's, uh, I mean, again, oh, fucking, it would have been so good. would have been so good. Could have been amazing. Yeah, apparently Gearbox software is pretty, uh, it's probably that one pretty close, close to their chest because Interceptor also tried making a top-down action role-playing game called Duke Nukem Mass Destruction, uh, which is going to be for the PS4 and, and computers. Um, but again, lawsuit by Gearbox, um, and the main character's name ended up being changed and they just re-ended up renaming the game, called it Bombshell instead. So if you ever played Bombshell, I can only imagine that it would have been a lot more badassery in it if Gearbox hadn't have intervened. Yeah, seems like Gearbox are kind of dickholes about the whole situation. But unfortunately, it does have to be noticed, or noted... But sadly, it does have to be noted that in the future, we'll probably never see anything further, as in 2017, a Gearbox employee did state that they no longer had any interest in returning to the franchise, which potentially isn't a bad thing. Yeah, they should just give up now. Unless they unless they can do it justice, they should just give up. Yeah, unless they, like, yeah, rebuild, like, the 3D just to make it look good. Yeah. But it's still all the same awesomeness, which is a hard balance to find. Someone always wants to fucking change something or do something different. And no, you're never going to please everyone. No. Everyone's got their own opinion of what they like and what they want out of something. And it's, uh, it's a shitstorm trying to do the, the whole thing. But it, uh, there was also a proposed film for the, for the series as well. Tell you what, I'd be keen to watch a Duke Nukem movie. Yeah. I probably wouldn't even care if it was shit. I'm surprised there hasn't been one. Well, I think nowadays I would actually be more likely to see one just because of America's R rating, or the MA rating as we have it here. But I think maybe with like the popularity of Deadpool and, every, and other R-rated movies like that recently, because that's the rating it would need to do Duke Nukem justice. Do you, know you they, never know. Do you know who they had slated to play Duke Nukem? Me. 
again, not you. Well, apparently, I can try. So in March 2018, they announced that John Cena will star as Duke Nukem. And then in January 2019, John St. John stated that no movie was in development. Rough. Yeah. I don't even know what this guy looks like. Do you reckon he could just do it? Nah. He doesn't look anything like... He doesn't look anything? Okay. Fair enough. I looked him up. I mean, assuming this was made back in the 90s, he's probably getting on a bit too. He would be ageing. But there's comic books, there's all sorts of different merchandise. There was actually a Duke Nukem toy set that was um, very short-lived, but it was made by a company called Resaurus. Yeah, I looked into that as well. I've heard they were fucking apparently pieces of shit. They probably had like asbestos and shit in them. <laughs> no, apparently they were just made with like cheap, shitty, thin plastic and like super prone to just fucking breaking easily. Sounds about right. They're probably worth a bit now though. If you still have one that hadn't fallen apart. Yeah. Another thing that I did see as well is that the original game, um, they had to they like had to mess around with the spelling of of the name because of the character in Captain Planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there was a character... One of the bad dudes in Captain Planet was named Duke Nukem. So he was before the video game series. Yeah. And so they changed the spelling of his name. So they changed the spelling of it to be instead of Duke Nukem with an E, so N-U-K-E-M, they just changed the spelling to Duke Nukem, which was N-U-K-U-M. Yeah. Um, but then... They looked into it further to found out that the name wasn't actually trademarked at all. And so they put it back to the original spelling and stayed like that ever since. There you go. Little uh, cheeky Captain Planet reference. Well, he's the hero. He is. Overall, the actual series itself is really well received and, you know, sort of praised for a lot of its games. Duke Nukem 3D actually holding some of the highest uh, Metacritic scores out of the series. Uh, oddly enough, Duke Nukem Forever doesn't hold the lowest uh, yeah, right. Metacritic score. That honour belongs to Duke Nukem Critical Mass, which was released on Nintendo DS. Yeah, right. That's not, that's not that surprising, I guess, in that regard. Although I'm surprised that the Duke Nukem Advance, I can only assume that was for the Game Boy Advance, actually got a pretty good rating of 81. 81 out of 100. It's actually... That's not too bad, because, I mean, generally these games... When they get ported, especially to, like, handheld, and, I mean, let's face it, Game Boys, we're saying handheld consoles, usually don't do too well. Yeah, it's true. Um, highest rating one out of the series is Duke Nukem 3D on PC, 89 out of 10. You want to go that one again? Yeah, I do. <laughs> highest rating one is uh, Duke Nukem 3D on PC with a Metacritic score of 89 out of 100. Max. Makes more sense. It does. I was like, um, fuck, that's pretty good. Yeah, 8, 9, 8, 9 out, 10. out of 10. That's pretty, pretty good. I think it was because I was so focused on the fact that the Sega Saturn version of it has 82% Metacritic rating, but in the list of all the different ratings, it's one of the few that's actually listed as a percentage and not as a out of 100 figure. That's true, actually. Yeah, that is yeah weird. Yeah, some people just like to do weird shit. It's true. Here we go. Duke Nukem 3D was controversial because of its depiction of... Depictions of human sexuality, pornography, obscenities, graphic violence, recreational drug use, and other risque topics. Risque. Yeah. I guess it would have been at the time, though. And that's why, you know, had the whole bloody... Video games violent about your brain. Yeah. 
So, Duke Nukem Forever. We'll just go back to it for a second. Alright. Even though it was shit. Circling back. Was uh, delayed. This is, this is actually the time frame. It was longer than 10 years. It was delayed from 1997 until it was finally released on June 10, 2011. Fucking That's hell. fucking massive. I'm pretty sure there were people in the gaming community that were... Make, were constantly making jokes about it as well. Like when they found out that it was called Duke Nukem Forever, they were making jokes about it, like you know Duke Nukem in development forever and mm. like stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It was like Duke Nukem never taking forever, whenever, for never, um, and also that the what the game's initials end up being DNF, uh, commonly relates to the old did not finish in sporting events. Yeah, which is pretty fair, harsh but fair. Um, and apparently it managed to make fun of itself, though, because of it. Um, it was apparently in the beginning of the game, Duke's actually playing, like, an arcade machine. And they got, like, either that game or, like, Duke Nukem 3D or something. And someone says to him, is it any good? And he says, after 12 fucking years, it should be. Yeah. And sadly, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it just really fucking wasn't. They really let themselves down there. Because you can do some fun stuff with that sort of stuff as well. Um, like in Wolfenstein where you can go and you lay down and you go into like a dream state and then you play through the original version of Wolfenstein. Oh, Wolfenstein 3D. Wolfenstein that 3D, which is, which is awesome. Fucking, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before, I fucking played, my mate got like um, VR for his computer and he had like Wolfenstein 3D, the old one, for VR. It was fucking, it was mental. That was really cool. That would hurt your eyes very quickly, I imagine. <laughs> it was a bit disorientating. <laughs> And that's time. Time diddly time. That's Duke Nukem. That is Duke Nukem. If you haven't played it, I don't know why you, you haven't. You, why the fuck haven't you played but it? Play Duke Nukem 3D. Find a version of it somewhere. Play that. Do it. It's out there. It's available. You can play it. Yeah. You can play it. No. That's terrible. <laughs> that one was definitely an 89 out of 10. Fuck it. Alright. What are we going to rate this biatch? Babes. Babes. No, yeah, but what? That's a good metric, but what? What score are we going to give it? Look, I'm just going to totally disregard Duke Nukem Forever, and I'm going to give it four, four out of five. Yeah, I'd give it. I'd give it four out of five. Not taking into account Duke Nukem Forever. If I was taking into account Duke Nukem Forever, I'd push it down to probably about a two and a half. Yeah, it was that. It was that. Bad. It was really shit. Um, it was fucking short, so I'm pretty sure I finished in like literally like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, it's. It's hot garbage. Mm. There was no replay value to it at all. It was fucking shit. But that is Duke Nukem. Now, from a game that spent so much time in development limbo or purgatory to a game that's all about the devil and his uh, his works on Earth. Well done. Thanks. Well done. Fucking Lucifer. Lucifer Morningstar. Which is a great adaptation of a comic book character. I created by Neil Gaiman and Sam Keith and Mike Dringenberg um, from a comic book series called The Sandman. Uh, it's DC Comics. Um, he became a protagonist in his own spin-off comic book series. Um, published under the DC Comics Vertigo imprint. And then, of course, came on to become the TV show Lucifer. Which uh, you were very keen to... I am I to discuss and do to, to get me to watch. I was because Lucifer's it's a great show. I think the concept of Lucifer is 
what's drawn me into it the most. Just it it takes on this concept that in the devil himself is not actually inherently an evil being or person. He's not a bad man. He punishes those that are. So it's not like he's going around just being fucking evil and fucking everyone's shit up. You mean like Zangief? Like, just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that that's one thing that I like, the aspect of it that I like to talk about. It's a little bit of a different spin on what you would say something that would usually focus on the devil. The devil just goes around and does evil shit. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely like that aspect of it. It was a good take on it. It was a good spin. Hmm. And I liked... I like the character development as well. Like the characters were yeah, pretty cool, and they you know, had a lot of you know, decent amount of depth in them, from what I'd seen. Still, probably not my bag as a TV show, but I I did like the characters, and I liked the yeah the way they were portrayed, and the music. The soundtrack is music's banging, as the young kids say, dope as fuck. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I remember because I started re watching it afterwards, and as soon as I started playing the first episode, I was like, fuck yeah. Now I remember why I got into this show so much because straight up, fucking Ain't No Rest for the Wicked by Cage the Elephant just starts playing before anything else goes on. Love that song. Yeah, I was just like, that's right. This show has banging tunes. I think I still feel like like the first episode itself has a lot of really good music in it. And I don't know if like they deliberately like tried to cram as much good shit in there. So like, you know, being the pilot episode. So it gets picked up. Gets picked up and makes more audiences like it and they may not even subconsciously realise that part of the reason they like it is because of all the fucking sick tunes. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it is, it's really, really sucks even in that first episode. Like, it sets mm. you up for, you know, for the, the story itself. Um, it Unless gave, you're wanting to know more. It's like, what is his deal? Yeah. What's this, what's this guy up to? From the episodes that, that I've seen, it gives off a little bit of a, almost sort of like a little bit of a, the pretender sort of vibe as well in a, in a respect. Like, yeah. How, you know, at the, the end of the pretender of the episodes, he'd find someone that did a crime and he'd punish them or, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, and then Lucifer does a bit of that himself. Not in every, every episode, I don't think, but... No, he doesn't. I mean, I guess the whole premise comes around that he gets intrigued by um, this detective who his charms do not work on and then realises that by working with the police, it actually presents him with an opportunity on Earth to then go around and punish those that have done wrong and making sure that the right people are, being are punished. Are punished. And yeah. being, which is cool. Gives the old shrink a bit of a punishing, doesn't he? Indeed <laughs> he does. <laughs> like, I like to think of, you know, the whole religious mythology as that is what I consider it. I find it really interesting. Like, I'm not going to shy away from it. I don't believe that there really is a God. But I fucking... Sometimes some people do some really good shit with that sort of stuff and take it in a completely different direction to, compared to, like the stuff you grew up with in school or going to your church and shit like that and really spin it on its head. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely definitely a uh, different sort of take on it. And it, yeah, it's almost a bit of a breath of fresh air. Like, it's not a... Mm. One thing it has made me want to do, just because, obviously, you've got um, Amenadil, one of his brothers, and there's Uriel, and they mention Azriel as well. They actually made me want to look in on, like, how many fucking angels were there? Like, you don't hear about any of these pricks growing up. They weren't cool enough to get, on, get in the book. That's right. It's just God... And his bad boy son, the devil. The devil. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, definitely a series worth watching if you know if that's your kind of bag or you want to try something completely different. But it also features in the Arrowverse as well. It does obviously being a DC Comics uh, property. It did make and yeah, this is a big spoiler alert if you didn't already know. 
so come for the up or for the crossover that just happened in the whole Arrowverse. Um, it was rumoured for ages because um, Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer, had been seen on the set of oh, one of the shows, like Flash or something like that, um, at the time. So obviously then it was speculated that he was going to be part of it. He blatantly denied it for the whole time and then eventually, yes, it was revealed. Um, well, obviously, been in it, that he was there. It was pretty cool. So it was the way they explained it is actually set a little bit before um, the timeline that the actual... TV show Lucifer is set in. Yeah, so it was set like five year in the in the five year period before the actual TV show. Starts. Mm, it's a bit hard because I think I read that somewhere as well, but I'm pretty sure somewhere during the TV series he states he's only been there for like three years or something. So I guess oh, I guess if you add, um, I think that's maybe, maybe if then you add the next seasons on, it would make sense to be five years. Yeah. So potentially that's where they'd get the five years from. Maybe because he, I'm pretty sure he clearly states he's only been there for like three years in the f- first season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, exactly. I'd read the same thing. I was like, eh? But no, it was cool. I mean, he's like in it for like 30 seconds, but he gets approached by John Constantine. Yeah. Who makes sense. He does all that mystic shit. But yeah, great cameo. Yeah, nice. And um, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, because um, I'm a little bit behind. I'm actually very behind on the Arrowverse. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm very behind. I think I'm up to We're like... I'm going to mince my words I think here. I was like season four. Four of Arrow and season three of The Flash. You're not that far behind in The Flash, but you're pretty behind in The Arrow. Yeah. Um, which I do really want to catch up on because I enjoy... There's a little bit of a spin-off sort of thing. Veer off track for a sec. I do really enjoy The Arrowverse. It's um, it's really good. Good. It's ambitious. It is TV, ambitious. it's very ambitious. I thought that Arrow it was just... It shits all over the fucking DC movie universe. Oh, yeah. I thought as a TV show, it was just about like... A show for chicks to perv on, like Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell doing fucking chin ups, <laughs> but then I was like, "There's more to that." Could you caught yourself perving? I was perving on Stephen Amell doing chin ups. Yeah. yeah, I'm a mostly heterosexual man. <laughs> game no game. That's right. Also, successfully got brought back as well. Um, it was originally published by, I believe it was Fox. Have I got that right? It was originally aired on Fox first yeah, so for the first three done, seasons. Yeah. Um, got cancelled after the third season. Um, and then Netflix were like, fucking nah. No, that show is banging. Cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably a bit of cha-ching as well. Because it was hugely popular. And I guess they saw that. And uh, someone over there obviously liked it a lot as well. And was like, nah. Well, no, you, that story ain't done yet. Netflix is, uh, it's good for that. Sometimes it'll, it'll pick up stuff that was dead and saves it. Hmm. That, that like still had the following there. They know that there's at least enough people out there that and it was popular. But and whoever time slots, whatever else on normal network TV didn't make it work, which is the advantage, I guess, of the streaming services. They're like, well, we don't have to have it in a time slot. We put it on, people are going to watch it. And obviously the fourth season they aired was very successful because they then renewed it again for a fifth and confirmed final season, which is cool. I'm happy with that. I like a fifth and knowing that's the final season. Yeah. I think so five we- seasons is good for a TV series. It is. Like, it's a good it's a good range. You've got enough, like, to tell the whole story and get everything, but not doesn't go on until so long that it becomes stale and you're just doing shit exactly. for the sake of doing shit. I must say, Arrow's done well. They went on for a bit long, but they, they wrapped it up well. Yeah. Seven seasons. They definitely made the right call there, I think. I think the knowing that it's going to be the final season as well and confirming it as well for, like, the writers and producers is a good move too because they can do what they need to do 
to make sure they finish off it and all stories, get all the loose ends, any unanswered questions which may have arisen all previously. Off. They can actually close them all off as well, which is something I'm going to have to do. There's definitely a few things there that's still unanswered for me, so I hope I get those answers. And I think it was originally originally ordered for 10 episodes and they then booked it for 16. Oh, yeah. So, nice. excited. I don't know when it's going to be coming out after all this shit, so I'm pretty sure they finished filming it. I don't know why they couldn't do post-production then if they don't need to get everybody together anymore. So You can do post-production with, with social distancing. Exactly. So I'm hoping to see it either late this, this year or early next year. They've already said that they're going to release the full season over two two segments. So they'll drop eight episodes and they're going to drop another eight later on. Yeah. So season four was the shortest season of them all, though. It was only 10 episodes as opposed to... One, which was 13, two, which was 18, and three had 26 episodes in it. Did you notice much, you know, you obviously being a big fan of it, you've watched it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Well, up until where you're up to now. Did you notice... Oh, re- re- yeah, re- was watching there, it. Was there yeah. any difference for yourself, did you notice, from when it was on being produced by Fox or on Fox in the first three seasons to the fourth season? Mm, I'm not back up to the fourth season again. Um, yeah, I think I do remember. You could tell that there was it was slight different. changes. It wasn't overly different, but I think I think with Netflix they had they weren't as probably restricted as they were via Fox, mm. which is probably better in a, in a lot of ways. Mm. Like you know, that's it. So I'm pretty sure Fox just hand, fully handed them over all the rights to it, so they didn't have to worry about anything like that. And then Netflix obviously has its doesn't have to have as much of the same censorship that a network television broadcaster does, which is weird because Rick and Morty censored on. Netflix. It is. They bleep out a lot of the swear words. They do. They do. But that's Netflix. I mean, potentially that's why they get it from Adult Swim. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Because I know there's other animated series on there mm. that have the swearing in them. Like F is for Family, which is coming back for another... Well, the fourth season's coming out very mm. soon. That's fully produced by Netflix, yeah? Yeah. That's like their own property, so they can do it. Yeah. Potentially Adult Swim just give them those ones. So like, you can have it. But we'll give you the censored version. Give me the shit ones. Yeah. I think we mentioned it at the beginning. The banging soundtracks. And something that I ended up going and looking into a bit further just because a couple of the actors that appear in it um, were also more sub-characters, I guess you could say, um, in Suits. Yeah. Another, another great TV series, which also has banging, banging music. Banging soundtracks. Um, so I did look into it. Plenty of completely different composers for both series. So there was no actual relation It's just there. a quinky dink. It was just a massive quinky dink. There you go. But it has got a few bits. It's got uh, Rachel Harris, who was... Um, fuck, what's his name? Lewis Litz. So, she, so it's got Rachel Harris, who was Lewis Litz, on again, off again, fling, thing. love... Fling thing. Fling thing. Um, she plays Dr. Linda Martin, Martin who is Lucifer's... Psycholo- psychologist or therapist yeah. that he also bangs for a bit for a bit no, sorry if that's spoiler for you oh, she calls it off spoiler hashtag spoiler she calls it off because she wants to go all profession actually try and help him with his shit what bitch <laughs> and then there's DB Woodside as Amenadiel his big bro his big bro who I thought was the guy that plays Luke Cage who's not him at no, all no New, no. very different. Very, very different. It's got uh, Tom Welling in it. Does third season? Third season. That's, I think that's actually. I'm pretty sure that's what actually ended up getting me to wanting to watch it because I'd finished watching all of Smallville. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, Tom Welling's back on the scene. He's been doing some shit since he did that. I'll check it out. Because I saw that he was in it. And had to watch oh, two whole seasons to get to the Tom Welling bit because he's only in the third season. Bit of research probably would have helped you there. But then you would never... But then I would have had spoilers. You and know? you would never got, probably not got into the series as much. You would Potentially. Have skipped, tried to skip to the third mm. season. He played, he played a great character in the third season as well. Though. I think the third season might actually be my favourite. Yeah. Mm. It was good. Which is lucky for you because it's also the longest season. True. True. It is for now anyway. I really hope season five's good. <laughs> It'll be good for you, get, for you to get some uh, you know, finality and get it all wrapped up. Nice oh yeah, no, that's what I'm looking forward to. It'll be good, especially. Uh, I, I mean, I hope they do a good job. I hope they just do some weird fucking bullshit and like make it all, I don't know, lovey dovey and just lame because that would suck. It was all a coma dream. Oh fuck that, fuck that. No, it's not being made in the '90s. That probably won't happen. I reckon a few other characters should get some honourable mentions. One of my favourites is uh, Detective Daniel Dan Espinosa, also known as Detective Douche. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. So, it's fantastic. Poor bloke. Gets a lot of shit from Lucifer. He is a bit of a douche, though. He is a bit of a douche, though. That's true. So, you know, probably deserves a little bit. Mm. He's a good character, though, I must say. He actually is a good sort of um, antagonistic character throughout the series. Yep. And then, of course, um, Mazakine. Mazakine. Who is uh, one of Lucifer's torturers that he brought to the real world with him when he left hell. Yeah, and she's she's devoted, but from what I've seen, she also gives him a bit, like gives him a few jabs every now and again when she feels he's being too human or too soft. That's it. Yeah, she doesn't fully agree with his decisions, but eventually she realizes that Lucifer's made up his mind that he's now staying on Earth. Yeah, and so she sort of accepts that, and she goes on to say, well, "If we're staying here, I want to know what my place in all this is now, because obviously, shit's different." Yeah. It's good. And then, you know, she gets her own. She comes into her own. I think it is good. Like, all the characters have their own development and everything going on at the same yeah. time. And as the seasons progress, you do see that. Which, any good TV series... You should have that. It should have that as a bare fucking minimum. Yeah. You definitely tell... if Any TV show that has not had good... Where it's just been the same character, they've got this, like, personality which never changes. It's like, this is them. This is set in stone. I don't think has ever done well. Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. Not at all. You know what also kind of made me think of a little bit as well? Kind of made me think a little bit of Lil Nicky. Yeah. Because, like, his brother's always showing up like, Dad wants you to come back. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> you're never going to be able to watch it the same again. Uh, you're like, oh, man. I, I think I'm past most of the stuff where that happens, so it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that's good, though. That, that's... Yeah, I'm not going to be able to think about it the same yet. Thank you. No, Thank you you're welcome. That. I'm pleased to aim. Um, another good character that added in season two was the forensic analysis, um, Ella Lopez. Did you go up to the second season? No, man. I didn't make it that far. She's just this like hyper-energetic, sort of lovey character. Like We first meet her in like, the first episode of season two. It's just like, oh, hi, my name's Ella. And then she just fucking goes in for a full hug. No, one of those sort of people. Hugger. Yeah, hugger. Every time she meets someone, she's shaking hands, she just... Big hey, hug. come here. Like, yeah. I think the original creator of the Lucifer character, Neil Gaiman, so he's actually an author as well as making the comic book series as well. He's written a fair bit. Um, but a lot of his stuff has been turned into 
either movies or TV series as well. Oh, yeah. Like what? So, um, have you ever seen the movie Stardust? Bowie it wasn't a big blockbuster movie, so you'd be forgiven if you haven't seen it, but it wasn't bad. No. Stardust was pretty good. Um, something you may be more familiar with, though, um, is the movie Coraline. Yep. That was like the claymation, I'm pretty sure. Sort of animated sort of so like, yeah like that. Tim Burton sort of same vein as Nightmare um, Before Christmas yep. yeah um, and TV show that I'm pretty sure is on Amazon that I've seen ads going Good Omens I haven't seen that I haven't seen an ad for it either and it's something that I've seen and I have been looked at and gone oh I wouldn't mind watching it knowing that it's based off novels by the same author that made it Lucifer is maybe a little bit more enticed to maybe put a bit more effort into trying to watch it yeah but he's a big Bowie fan as well though isn't he you were saying uh, yes, he's a big Bowie fan, and who he actually modelled Lucifer after for yeah. the comic book. And also evidenced by some banging Bowie tunes in the first episode. Um, and Gaiman's also known for co-writing books with none other than Terry Pratchett. He's done a bit then. Yeah, no, he's d- definitely, um, like, literary. Definitely. He's, done, he's written a fair bit. Um, and he's still oh, you're overseeing the Sandman universe. Uh, which is the, the comic book series that started off uh, where Lucifer originally started off as. So he oversees that whole sort of universe that's then being created from that, including Lucifer, House of Whispers, the Books of Magic, and the Dreaming. Wow. I've heard of none of those. No, neither have I. <laughs> Full disclosure. Um, but yeah, so Good Omens, the book series, is what he co-wrote with Terry Pratchett. Right, and that's been made into a TV series, which is on now, Amazon yeah. now. I'm pretty sure it's Amazon. Don't quote me on that. Pretty sure. Um, even though that book series is a collaborative effort, um, and the most Pratchett said that most of the ideas could be credited to both of them. Pratchett has done a larger portion of the writing and editing. Uh, he said, if for no other reason, the guy was scheduled involvement with Sandman. So, yeah, fair enough. Other things tying him up a little bit. Um, he's also did American Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially, that is also something that's been done. The opening theme song. So obviously, it's not one. It's like it's a quick, like throw up of you know the title card yeah which is the opening thing but I think nearly every time because my wife's also a massive fan of Lucifer as well she actually got really pissed when she found out I was re-watching it again hadn't told her for this episode she's like <laughs> you're re-watching again without me what the hell um pretty much whenever we watch it together during the title card we both do the wah and like take the piss out of it every time it comes on pretty much um, it's but, cute you know it is it's a bit cute it's one of the show we like to watch together um, that has been taken from a song called Being Evil Has a Price, which is performed by the band Heavy Young Heathen. Fitting. Very fitting. Yeah, it looks like. Cause a bit of a... Cause a little bit of an uproar. Uh, because apparently they never actually got proper permission um, or provided credit to the song's composers. So... Whoopsies. Whoops. That's it. That's Lucifer. Lucifer. In a nutshell. Not quite. But sure. Sure. Half a nutshell. But tell me, what were your thoughts on Lucifer? My thoughts. Like I said, I really enjoyed the, the characters. The mm. music was really good. And the, the spin on the you know traditional you know perception of the devil. Mm. Um, I thought that was really, really All cool. All great stuff. Yeah. Um, which, which I think, you know, the way I'd always picture the devil as well, though, is not... Not as like a dude with horns and a fucking tail and a pitchfork, mm. but as like a sort of a sleazy, sort of swarmy sort of guy in a did suit. You, did you ever watch an episode where we actually see his real face? Yeah. 
First episode, you, you, you see it in the you, first episode. You do see his real face in yeah. the first episode, yeah. Reese, he uh, scares Jimmy, and then Jimmy goes crazy. Hmm. Next, he shows his full face there, usually yeah. he just does the eyes, and no, that's, that's it's enough. full face. No, like I said, good series, just not my thing. I'd still happily give it four pentagrams out of five. Pentagrams? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good unit of measurement. It's not bad, it's not bad. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll give it four and a half. Four and a half. It's solid. It really is. Yeah. It's good shit. You got it. It's on the fucking flicks. Give it a whirl. Give it a raz. Yeah. Don't like it. Fucking watch something else. Yeah. Done. Easy. Job done. All right. So, going from the uh, life and times of Lucifer Morningstar to Good Morning Vietnam. That is going to take some editing. Thank you. No worries. So it doesn't blow all your fucking blow ears everyone's off. ears out. <laughs> That's the way it was intended. <laughs> um, classic war film. Yeah. Obviously set during the Vietnam War. Be a bit fucking weird if it was during conflict, death at storm. <laughs> great film. Obviously starring the, the great Robin Williams. The late, great. The late, great Robin Williams. See a really interesting sort of thing because I didn't realise until we were doing research into this itself that it was actually loosely based on a real person. Yeah, no, neither did I, because, I mean, fuck, it's been years since I watched it, and I couldn't even really remember exactly what happened in it. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised as well. I was like, I thought it was just some, you know, sort of comical, comically made... War movie. Yeah, exactly. In the same based, sort of vein as, like, Vietnam. Stripes or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So the film follows, you know, Airman Second Class Adrian Cronauer. He arrives in... In Saigon. Will you catch it? Yeah, they dropped my tablet. Don't worry about that. <laughs> to work as a DJ for the armed forces. So he does their radio shows and things like that. And he basically does things his own way, runs to the beat of his own drum. The higher ups don't really like it. There's one like general or something that really fucking loves him and thinks he's like hilarious. But then there's this other higher ranking officer that fucking hates his guts. Um, they try to make him, you know, do things their way, keep it boring, don't play rock and roll music, don't... The good stuff. Yeah, don't do all the sorts of things that you would normally do to have fun. Um, all the news that's being broadcast is censored, so it goes through these twins that... Yeah, that's right, the twins. The weird-looking twins. Mm. And, um, yeah, so they have, to, they have to go through and censor all of the news out so they don't, they're not giving away anything to the enemy and things like that, which is pretty crazy, but... Obviously, you know, during war, that's the sort of shit you have to do. You that's have it. to, you know, protect, protect yourself and protect your own. But he falls in love with this Vietnamese girl named Trin. A bit of mild racism at the start where they, he first arrives and he's driving along and he sees, like, this Vietnamese woman in her traditional clothes and oh, yeah. hat. And he's like, he's like, oh, my God, she's gorgeous. And then he sees Trin later on down the road a little bit and he's like, she got in front of us again. She's so fast. Speed up. Let's test her stamina. And, like, he's... Offsider, Forrest Whitaker, I might add. Mm. Um, very, very young Forrest Whitaker. He like, points out to him like that's a different woman. Like, <laughs> mildly yes, racist. You get away with that stuff back then. Back and then to be know. honest, let's face it, like, it's more a true depiction of how they probably were during that time. Yeah, oh, definitely. We'll, while we're just sort of briefly touching on Forrest Whitaker there, his character, Lieutenant Garlic, mm. is, is a great character, but it's really weird for Forrest Whitaker. If you think about it, because like his characters are normally very serious, very. He's more of a like kind of 
brooding, hulking sort of man. Like he's very, you know, very. He's always a bit more like a reserved, isn't he? Sort of awkward sort of fellow. Yeah, that's... real quiet. And, yeah. But in this, he's sort of he's awkward, but he's more goofy. Mm, yeah, that's probably a better word for he's, it. Yeah, yeah he's, he's comedic gold in it. Actually, he's, like he off plays with Williams very well. Like they, yeah, they work. They have good chemistry. Chemistry in Vietnam War probably not the best analogy. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, you get you meet a few great, like crazy sort of really good characters in it as well. Obviously, it's you know it's Adrian Cronauer's story turned up to eleven. Like it's there's a lot of exaggeration, a lot of things. I was actually watching an interview with him, and he was saying there's a lot of things that they did in the movie that didn't happen in real life while he was there. I mean, he did teach English in his spare time. That was something he actually did do, which Williams does in the film. Um, he didn't do it to impress a Vietnamese girl. He just did it because he wanted to help the locals and he didn't teach them New Yorker slang and swear words and things like that like Williams does in the movie. Yeah. So there's liberties taken. Um, a lot. A lot. I mean, I have did a bit of research on it after I found out as well that I was like, oh shit, it's actually a real bloke that they based it on. I looked into him a little bit and pretty much he said... The, the only thing in the film's portrayal of him that was really it reflects his experiences of Vietnam was the fact that he was a radio host. That's it. Like, yeah, and the fact that um, the bombing of a restaurant, um, which he was actually a nearby witness of. Yeah, which is used as a plot device in the movie. Mm. So, spoilers... <laughs> and by the way by the way I actually got in before the spoiler this time which is rare for me uh, so, no didn't you do the spoiler and then you said spoiler right then no 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 oh you told us it's a plot device about, you tell us what the plot was the, uh, the plot yeah. device because it uses a plot device in the sense that um, Trin the girl that Williams or Williams character falls in love with is her has a has a brother and they're they're both in the same English class. Mm. Williams become well, Cronauer becomes friends with her brother Tuan or Tuan, I think they say it, and he starts to show him around and and help him with things and and you know and he actually warns him and he actually helps lure him away in the movie lures him away from Jimmy Waz, which is the bar that gets blown up because it's later revealed that he's actually a terrorist working with the Viet Cong. So he was sort of helped. That's that's how he's able to go in and out of, you know, war zones and things like that and not get harmed by the Viet Cong because he's actually one of them, which, you know, obviously is a big liberty taken with the real Adrian Cronauer story. <laughs> yeah. um, but he actually says in, the, in an interview I was watching with him that even the way that Williams did Good Morning Vietnam... Like the actual sign on, like that was his official sign on, but yeah, it was cool. different because either the way that Williams does it is it goes, it peaks up into a crescendo, so it goes up yeah. and then comes, you know, and then hits. Where he's like, is it, it was more of a you were running late, you know, you'd woken up early, it's early in the morning, you're running late, you're tired, you don't, you haven't got anything planned, you haven't got any records ready to rock, to spin or anything like that. So you start and you're like, good. And then he like, you know, he's going and he's fiddling things and he's and he just holds that note, that whole, that yeah, good, okay. like for a really long thing. And then morning Vietnam, like, yeah. yeah, it was more used so he could buy himself some time while he was getting himself centered. Yeah. You know? And so I guess like, cause I, I wasn't meant to rewatch it, but I ended up falling asleep. Um, so I didn't get to rewatch the whole movie, unfortunately, but, um, 
guess that first scene we first see um, in the movie when he goes in and he's doing his first broadcast and you do it, you see him running around, he just basically walks in and the first thing he does is go around, he's like, he's like, what are these records? Shit, shit. Picks out something from his own self. So was he saying that basically he would actually start the broadcast whilst he was actually also getting everything doing ready? Doing all of that sort of stuff, yeah. Mm. Which is sort of the same, except he sort of ran in, got some shit ready, then sat down and started, which is pretty much the same thing. I do love that scene, though, because it's got, you know, Williams portraying him coming in as he's been woken up by the other... Star, the other uh, Garlic. Garlic. Garlic wakes him up. Um, he's, you know, half asleep. He's not in the mood to do the radio show, but as soon as that switch comes on and hits the time that he's meant to be on, he's on and, like... Yeah, it's such a such a Williams thing. Like it's, mm, it is. It's yeah, and it's perfect. Like it's a really really good scene. And speaking of like you know playing the records and things like that, it's got a pretty decent soundtrack as well. Like it's a um yeah, it's like, like it's got some pretty awesome songs in it. Um, you've got it does. I think it's funny because after you finish watching it all, you you actually messaged me and you said good music. But I would have to be one of the only movies I've ever watched based or centred around the Vietnamese War, which didn't feature Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. I'd almost go on, on a limb and say it's probably the only one because <laughs> I've, I've, every Vietnam movie I've seen has Fortunate Son playing in it somewhere, usually when a chopper's flying somewhere. It does always involve a chopper. Yeah, like it's crazy. But it, like we'll go through some of the songs that are actually featured on the on there so you've got uh nowhere to run by martha reeves and the van vandellas beach boys i get around uh game of love by wayne fontana and the mind benders which actually features in a that song is actually sampled in an uh, eminem song on one of his latest albums there you on go marshmallows lp2 sugar and spice by the searchers warmth of the sun by beach boys james brown i feel good uh, which is actually called I Got You, but everyone knows this is I Feel Good. Baby Please Don't Go by them. <laughs> that's the name of the band. Oh, no, it's, it's gold. That's actually fucking Which gold. is a great cause band like, name. It is. Yeah, because it's Who like... Who sings you know, that? Oh, them. Them. You know them? Yeah, yeah them. You know that, that's them. actually gold. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, and one of the really good ones is Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World that uh, he actually plays after he's feeling really, really low and really down about everything that's happened and a lot of stuff that's happened to him and he feels really shit and garlic actually takes him to this where there's all these troops that are about to get sent out and you know they start sort of pushing him to um to be on basically to you know to give put on a show for them and he reluctantly at the first begins to sort of talk to them and, and then and then like builds that rapport with them straight away and starts asking them their names and making jokes about it and, and, you know, having fun. And then at the end of it, he says, you know, um, all the best when, you know, because they're about to ship out to go to, to a really dangerous zone. And he's like, I'll never forget you. And then they leave. And then, you know, he, when he goes back, he puts that song on because it's like, he's like, I'm thinking of you boys, mm. which is a really nice touching sort of moment. It is. I was looking through as well. So there was actually a sequel to the movie that was put into the pipeline at one point, um, which was, again, going to have Williams uh, reprising the role of Cronell. Yep. Um, however, he's back in America now um, doing his 
radio show in Chicago, and the movie was going to be called Good Morning Chicago. Um, it was going to be him as a journalist um, during the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Um, however, the project ended up being scrapped due to disagreements between Williams, uh, Levinson, who was the creator of Good Morning Vietnam, um, and the Walt Disney Company over the film's direction. Fucking Disney. Got to fuck up people's shit, don't they? They love it. Uh, the real Adrian Cronauer was actually also saying that he has a lot of people that are surprised when they meet him. They're like, you look nothing like Robin Williams. No shit. He's like... <laughs> It's like a stupid thing to say. It is. Like, like it, it just makes no sense for for that to to be like that. Like, yeah. Mm, exactly, that's it. So they didn't get him because he looked like him. Because they got him because they thought that he would was good for the role and would was obviously going to do what the film's producers wanted the direction of the movie to go in, not so much that because he fucking was a spitting image of the bloke. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he's even had like people like when he's checked in to hotels and stuff and then he's said his name and they've they've looked it up and they've gone... Good morning Vietnam, and then they make him like do the do the Good Morning Vietnam sign on and stuff like that. It's a bit tongue in cheek, isn't it? Really? Yeah. But, but yeah. he did actually say that you know the movies helped him make more money than oh, of course than he would have ever made if he had have just been in the war. Like yeah, true, true. It's um it's done. You know, he's done well from it as well. I think one of the things I noticed through watching it again because I was much like yourself. I hadn't watched it since. I was really young. I think my dad put it on one time and we watched it when I was a kid. Um, but now that I've been to Vietnam and I've sort of experienced the culture a little bit, went to the Vietnam War Museum, It's there's certain scenes in it where they are, you know, attacking the Vietnamese civ- like civilians and things like yeah. that. That really hit home because when you go through that museum, you see some of, like, the horrible shit that happened. Yeah. And like there's actual photos like of stuff that had happened. There's like one where a guy's like a US Army soldier's walking out of where they've just like bombed somewhere and he's got a guy's head and it's just literally his head and spine like yeah, he's carrying right. it. and it's like That's it's fucking, really fucking yeah. and there's like stories of them like them lining up kids telling them they're gonna take their photos and then just mowing them down with machine guns and shit like that like it's pretty like confronting shit mm. and then seeing that i was like yeah like it wasn't like the movie's light-hearted and it's got a lot of exactly fun with, but it's also got some serious bits in it where you're like you know that's that's pretty fucked what happened over there oh well, yeah especially that was a fucking war that was a free fucked up war with some of the shit that they did and kind of i don't know if they got away with it but just the fact that they did it at all but yeah it is it is it's a weird one because obviously it is a war movie but yes it takes that light-hearted road on yeah it, which in a way can sort of detract from the fact that it was a very fucking serious thing oh yeah a lot of lives were lost and it not humanely in any way whatsoever yeah at the museum they actually have a lady there when you pretty much when you finish the tour on the last level of the tour because it's in like a building and it goes up in levels. There's a lady sitting there and she's selling like necklaces and stuff that she's made. And she's a victim of Agent Orange. Mm. So like you can see some of her like deformities and stuff like that. And it, and that that was really confronting. Like mm. by the time I left there, I had a really big lump in my throat. I was like, Not this is, like it was, yeah. You know I me, mean? I'm the kind of person that will, you know, take the piss out of most things and we'll have a laugh and try to find a laugh, especially when it's awkward or it's sad to try and make other people laugh. I came out of there and I was like shell-shocked. There was no joke in there. I was like, this is fucked. 
Like, yeah, no, nah, it's pretty nasty. Um, things should also be noted that unfortunately, as well, um, Adrian has sadly passed. Yeah, when was that? Since uh, then, he died, passed. Uh, so he passed away on the 18th of July, 2018, at the age of 79. It's a um, bad run. He went peacefully at his West Virginia home, so... At least that, you know, there's a positive there. He went peacefully, at least. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you ever are in Vietnam, definitely go do the War Museum. It's worth it. Um, it's sad, but it's, it's you know, it's an eye-opener, and it's it's a cultural thing, and it's nice. That's it. Um, but I'll even notice a lot of the city... Like, we, we were in Saigon, or Ho Chi Minh City, but, like, yeah. Saigon, Saigon. Um, a lot of the city hasn't changed yeah okay. like there's a lot more there's a lot more traffic <laughs> like there was fuck loads of scooters when we there. it's one of the craziest things i've ever seen like you cross the road you just have to walk very slowly and deliberately and all the bikes and scooters and shit just go around you yeah there's right. not like pedestrian crossings or anything like that it's just get Free across and and hopefully you get there safe oh it's a uh, uh, real life rogger yeah, real life rogger you've just got to like do 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 <laughs> get yourself across there if you haven't watched good morning vietnam Definitely give it a, a whirl. Great soundtrack. Great film. A lot of humour. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah, certainly. I will go back and watch the whole thing. So I was getting into it, but it was sleep times and I fell asleep. Sometimes you got to have sleep times. you got to do it. you got to do it. Well, that is unfortunately time. So we'll do a quick wrap up and then I think we'll go into... Into some exciting news for you some all. exciting new developments. So give it a quick, uh, quick rate of Reno. Yeah, I wish I knew what those those, those style of microphones were called because that'd be a good metric. But I don't because I love those microphones, but I don't know what they're called. They have a specific name, I'm sure. Yep, those microphones. Those microphones. You know the ones. Those ones. Hmm. Well, I'm going to find it a bit hard to rate it just because I haven't rewatched it recently. So I might leave that to you. I think it's. I give it. I give it four and a half. Those microphones. Yeah. It's a, it's a good Those film. Are, I love how we stuck with that. <laughs> it, it's a good film. You know, it's got heart. It's got comedy. It's got good music. It's got a bit of everything. Like, it, it, it is a really good film. Well, I guess we'll move on then to The Draw. Um, and as we're finally together again, Trent is going to get to pick out what comes out of the hats. He's going to get to do The Draw. Himself. No, there's just a there's just an extra hat that I've put. Or the other I was like, why in. is there an extra hat? It's just just you put even doing stuff so. without me. <laughs> um, all right, so let's do the draw, and it's your turn to guess, motherfucker. Oh, here we go. All right, what are we Look, got? I'd like to. I'd still like to point out that you've brought that on yourself nearly every time. But yes. All right. What do you got? Okay. All right. It's a video game. Okay. Cool. It's a shooter. Bang bang. The environment is pretty well completely destructible you can you can blow up pretty much everything red faction yeah man that was like its selling point i know <laughs> i used to dig tunnels i <laughs> know <laughs> oh, it was just like why but yes all right so red faction another film based on real people it's you kind of pause like i'll get it from that yeah well <laughs> it's I'm trying to say it without making it so easy for you to guess. It's about a fraudster, con man. Oh, um, oh, Leo and um, oh, fuck, catch me if you can. Yes, that's. I actually watched that not that long ago. Actually, uh, yeah. listen, I sat down, watched that. That's actually one of my favourite films. It's, a, it's really good. That's a yeah, it's a solid. It's film. a cracker. Now this will hopefully be the TV hat. 
Look, man, anything can happen. Whoop. Nearly dropped it. All right. All right. British TV series? Yeah, liking it already. All right. Bound a... Black Books? No. Okay. <laughs> Red Dwarf? No. Right. Think more more recently. More recently? Ooh. Yeah. No, okay, I'm going to need a bit more. I was just, I was just hoping it. Bound a group of mates going through school. Oh, the in-betweeners. That pretty well gave it away. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah in-betweeners. So we've got the in-betweeners, Red Faction, and Catch Me If You Can. Nice. That's um, a good selection. Which is a, it's a pretty banging selection. Yeah, like that's. Um, I during my uh, fourteen days of self isolation, I had to have when I got back from Vietnam and Singapore. I actually watched all of the Inbetweeners from start to finish. Oh, really? Nice. I haven't watched the movies yet, but I watched all of the TV series. Nice. I think. I think the second Inbetween movies was one of the first movies Liz and I went on a date with when we first started going out. Oh, cute. Yeah, there we go. But. But Here comes the bombshell, because yeah. that's not what we're going to be discussing next time. Not, not in the next episode. So this will be the episode that will follow the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the next episode, we've decided we're going to alternate between the draw and a topic that we're going to zone in on for a whole episode. And this topic, you may have noticed, we didn't mention Robin Williams that much when we were talking about Good Morning Vietnam. Reason for that is we're doing Robin Williams. That's it. We're going to explore... The ins and outs of his career, his styling, everything. He's had a great career, that man. He's done a lot of stuff. He's he's TV, movies, um, his own stand-up and everything else as well. Well, the podcast is about pop culture and he's a giant in pop culture. Definitely. Not not even just because of who he is as as an actor or a comedian or anything like that, but because he is such a fan of pop culture, he would use it to work it into Mm. roles and things like that. Uh, so yeah, so next episode we will be doing all things Robin. That's and, it, and uh, we'll hope that we can do him some justice. Oh, I hope so. I really do. That'll be a good. It's gonna be a good episode. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It will. Um, be, yeah, definitely. But until then, we've uh, we're still looking for some suggestions on some things that were really shit that we can try to find good things in. Please, please, please. We we actually we want to do this, see but we want it to be suggested. Your shit things. We want to hear your. We shit want to hear things. it. So hit There's us up on music, the socials. Music that's for some reason you've got that one friend who loves that band, and you just don't know why. You've got that other mate who's like this TV show. It's all the rage. You've got to watch it. And it's shit. It's just shit. No one else likes it. It's just him, and you don't know why. He has posters of it all over his bedroom wall. And your mum, which is like ringing you up, like, you got to watch this movie. And you're like, mum, you got to stop calling me. Prison charges me for all of these calls. But <laughs> we, we want to hear them. We, we want to see them. So hit us up on all the socials. As we always say, you know, we're on the Facebooks, we're on the Instas, we're on the Twits, we're on all of it. Do it. We're not on TikTok, but... One day, maybe. One day, Probably maybe. not, though. Till next time, cop that.